Welcome to week five of the Sick Podcast with Kelly Singh. And that's me, Kelly Singh. We're going to talk to an actual, legitimate, real Eagles fan here on today's show and talk about this week five matchup. Let's get into it. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Kelly Singh. The sickest Arizona Cardinals podcast. It's going to be sick. Sick, sick, sick. All right, and we're back. So today, as I mentioned, I have a very special guest. This person happens to be a very good friend of mine and a huge Eagles fan. And they came in clutch for me late last night when I had somebody else bow out. So... Not that he's my second choice. I just know how full his plate is. Let me introduce you to Joshua Hudson. He is co-founder of Club Fantasy FFL and, ironically enough, uh, co-founder of Women of Fantasy Football and so graciously brought me into that organization to be a co-host with another wonderful lady, Faith Ennis. So, um, yes. I don't know how to introduce you because I feel like I know you so well, like everybody else should know you. It's okay because I'm more so about like promoting the people that help me. And uh, so all those little accolades, I'm just like flush in the face. Like I feel like I should probably be a Cardinals fan because of how red I am right now. So... (laughs) (laughs) It's but thank just, you for having I, me on, Kelly. It's going to be fun. I should be thanking you because, like I said, it's not that you were my second choice. It's like, hey, um, why would I bother Josh? He's so much going on. But then I got to thinking, why wouldn't I bother Josh? Because Josh is probably the biggest Eagles fan that I personally know in my Twitterverse. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm really glad to have you here. Well, this is a welcome you. reprieve for me because the last week I've been in and out of power having gone through Hurricane Ian. So yes. getting to hop on a podcast at all right now, I am 100% about it. So thank you for the uh, for the, the, the mental reprieve that comes with just talking naturally. And I appreciate that. So thank you. Well, you brought a little bit of levity there. Um I am so glad that you are safe and you're in your home. So that's a good thing. Um, While I have the um, audience and the space to do this, I should mention that our co-host on Women of Fancy Football Faith was hugely impacted by the hurricane. Essentially, her home was washed away. There's really no better way to say it. The, The bones of the structure are standing, but essentially everything in it was just washed away. Um, and if you're interested in helping, you can check out uh, my my Twitter at Kelly and Phoenix. You can check out Josh at I always mess it up. So say the it. One Hudsonian and that's the number one. It's it's my pin tweet is her GoFundMe. So 
Uh, Perfect. Head over there. You can click on that. And uh, any donations are, are obviously helpful. Any shares are just as helpful as well. Um, you never know who you might reach and, and how giving that individual could be. And uh, a lot of people were affected, you know, by this hurricane. You know, I, I personally spent eight, nine years of my life living in Fort Myers. So I have a lot of friends that were impacted by this faith being, you know, one of those friends. And, um, you know, just just hearing everything about what happened and then seeing everybody kind of come together to help that community. It's been very uplifting. Yeah, I agree. It has been super amazing. Um, and I couldn't have said it better myself. So yeah, check us out on Twitter. Uh, it's easy to find us. And if you're you know, so led, you can jump in on those efforts. Um, I know that she would appreciate it. And some of the efforts are not even monetary. It's um, helping to replace even sentimental items you might see popping up every now and then. But we are here to talk about week five, which I think could be one of the most momentous games of the season, to be honest with you. I mean, the Eagles are 4-0. and oh. I don't know that I ever thought those words would be coming out of my mouth. I know you probably wished for them every night and foreshadowed them coming. And the Cardinals are 2-2, two and two, having come off of a 7-0 and oh run early last year. So it's like the script has flipped. And here we are. What are your initial thoughts? Like when you wake up in the morning as an Eagles fan and you say, we are 4-0. Like, does that just like give you energy? <laughs> Usually my first thought is pinch me because <laughs> this team has been disappointing me for God knows how many years. The last time we were 4-0, I believe was 2004. We made the Super Bowl that year. Um, of course, losing to... Tom Brady, but you know, there's that. Um, yeah, th this team is, it, it, they're a lot of fun to watch right now, which is obviously exciting. Um, but I'm just, it's, it's, you know, life as an Eagles fan, you're just kind of waiting for that rug to be pulled out from under you and, you know, fall on your head and, you know, break a shoulder or suffer a concussion or something. And then you wake up and you realize, oh, they're actually three and 13. Like, oh, see, that makes more sense, right? No. Um, now everything's clicking right now. Uh, the moves that Howie Roseman has made this off season, plugging holes on the defense, going out and trading for AJ Brown. I mean, they, and, and on top of that, right now they have a top five draft pick because of the saints. Like, I mean, it, everything is coming up green right now. More appropriately, Kelly green. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fun, but, you know, th this very well could be a tale of two seasons. And, you know, we'll get into that kind of when we start breaking down this team, because I think this game in particular, A, is going to be one of the first big tests of the season mm -hmm. for Philly. Right. But, I mean, th them and the Cardinals are very much polar opposites. Like, the Eagles are a first-half team. Cardinals are a second half team. And that's what I think is going to make this matchup very interesting. I agree with you. Um, and Jalen Hurts agrees with you as well, because he actually kind of got on the media's case at the last um, press, press, 
press briefing. Yeah. He was saying that they didn't ask him any questions about the game. And he felt, you know, pretty irked about that because this is a good team. You can't just gloss over the Cardinals, whether or not they're two and two and whether or not the Eagles are currently four and oh, it is clear that Hertz does not want to walk into this game. You know, with that, we're undefeated feeling. He wants people, fans, team members, media members to remember that this is a hard team. They have speed. They have a great defense. They have a super, the word he used was disruptive front. So they're going to get up in his face and he needs, um, he needs everyone to remember that. And I, I found that to be really classy, actually, in a way where he wants to talk about the strengths of the Eagles as much as he doesn't want people to forget who they're playing. Oh, thousand percent. I mean, there's a lot of good things that the Cardinals do, especially on offense. Defense, they've, they've played the run really well. And, you know, to your comment about Hurts, you know, the disruptive front, I think that was more of just kind of like, you know, trying to boost them up because they're last in the NFL in sacks. They're that's not getting true. any pressure at all. So that's going to play to Hurts' advantage because he leads the NFL in yards per attempt. If you give him time, he is going to carve up that exactly. But working to the Cardinals' advantage now, Jordan Mailata is dealing with a shoulder injury, their star left tackle. They're starting right guard, Isaac Samalu, is dealing with an ankle injury. So they could be down not one, but potentially two offensive line starters in this right. game. And that's going to be a problem for Philly. On the flip side, the Cardinals are dealing with their own issues on the offensive line. They've got three starters that were either uh, did not practice or limited in practice on Wednesday. And conversely, the Eagles lead the NFL in sacks. So... There, there's a lot that could go right here and a lot that could go very wrong for both teams. You're right. And I was going to say um, that the last I read, so on Tuesday I had talked a bit about our injury report, and it looks like out of our key players that actually only Prater might be the only one out-out, but that doesn't mean they're not going in banged up. J.J. Watts banged up. Uh, Zayvon White's back uh, banged up. And then on offense, Rondale Moore's banged up and Marquise Brown had been listed as questionable earlier in the week at one point. So they're definitely banged up, but I left Tuesday's broadcast feeling a little hopeful that this could be a team that is intact and whether or not they were intact when they played last week, I mentioned almost every single player on the roster touched the field that day. So I think that goes to show that they can fill a gap if necessary. And I believe that leads to momentum. I'm always talking about that heart, that momentum, what's going on behind the scenes. And for me, a healthy team or an unhealthy team that can fill gaps and have each other's backs is a team that's starting to gel. And that's kind of what's been missing. Like Cliff Kingsbury had mentioned, I took a note somewhere, oh, that they haven't quite hit their stride in the offense. But if they're able to gel 
then this is what we could see forward momentum. The Eagles, I think, obviously they're four and zero, but they they have that camaraderie now. They have that gelling going on. So that is an advantage, I think, on that that end of the emotional part of the game. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles offense right now, top six in every major category, fourth in points per game, second in total yards, sixth in pass, passing yards, fifth in rushing yards. The Cardinals are pretty much the definition of mediocre at this point. Fourth I agree. points per game, 14th total yards. And honestly, that falls on Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know why he got a contract extension. I really don't. Like, he's been one of the worst play callers in the NFL since he became a head coach. And that goes all the way back into college, too. He was a mediocre college head coach. I just don't get it. And I feel like that for as great as as an opportunity as any team with Kyler Murray at the quarterback position can have, they have equally less odds of being productive because of Cliff Kingsbury's play call. I mean, I, um, I agree with you. And it has come up um, in several episodes where it, it's not a secret that he reuses the same plays over and over again, the same route tree for each receiver. It's ridiculous. Between Hawkins and Brown, it's identical and it's two years they're apart. Two completely different wide receivers. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it's definitely been discussed discuss around here locally for sure people are uh over it they're upset about it the media has even asked how about mixing things up you know that um came up in a press conference but you Kyler can tell Murray, that his favorite party snack is not checks mix he likes <laughs> nah, he doesn't want to mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> um Kyler Marie had said that these early losses though have made them more resilient and I actually believe that because um this team is one that doesn't like to lose nobody likes to lose but um when you have such talented players and we talk about defense they should not be where they are in defense but there's been injuries and uh you can't necessarily use that as an excuse but you have such talented defensive players that have been had their heyday they're not out of their heyday yet i mean the sun is not set on buddha baker or jj one of the best safeties in the nfl like i i don't it's been baffling to me this year to see how bad the Cardinals defense has been at covering tight ends. It's like they shifted a philosophy and they said, instead of Buda Baker who covers tight ends, probably better than anyone. We're going to shift that onto Isaiah Simmons who granted all world talent, but they, they did the same thing with Hassan Reddick. They're, they mm-hmm. took a square peg and tried to fit them in a round hole instead of saying, you know what? We're going to let you do what you do best. We're going to put yeah. you in this, you know, setup to where we're basically setting you up to fail. And then we're going to blame you when you fail and then get rid of you and then watch you succeed elsewhere. Like this has the <laughs> makings of a, of a Hassan Reddick revenge game written all over it. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because that is something I wanted to discuss. So not only is Zach Ertz 
facing his former team for the first time since that midseason trade last year. We are also going to see Hassan Reddick, who was the Cardinals' first-round draft pick in 2017. And to your point, they didn't use him in the position he even played in college um, and uh, stayed with the Cardinals until 2021, had a brief stint with the Panthers, and is now there in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yep. And he's coming off of his best game ever. Uh, not ever, but for the Eagles, yes. Well, for the Eagles, yes. Best game this season, I should say, of yeah. two sacks, two uh, recovery, fumble recoveries, and two fumble. Yeah, it was the what defensive player of the week in the NFC. <laughs> Where he caused the fumble twice, uh, <laughs> that word. So, Force yeah, fumble. defensive player of the week, forced fumble. Uh, defensive player of the week. Does this, like you said, have the makings of a revenge game does this motivate him to have another amazing game um my feeling you factor in when you factor in how well brandon graham has played this year and how well josh sweat their other deep one of their rotating defensive ends has played absolutely this has the makings of a of a revenge game for hassan reddick because he doesn't have to be that guy He can just be a rotational piece. They're going to move him in and out. Sometimes they'll drop him into coverage, but he's there to rush the passer. That's what his job is. That's what he excelled at at Temple, and that's what the Cardinals never used him as. That's why he had a solid season in Carolina, and that's why he got paid by the Eagles. He can rush the passer. He's very fast, and he can get after the quarterback. I will shed words of caution as my co-host, Joe Zolo, who you know pretty well, has is very anti-Hassan Reddick in the sense that, oh, there's always going to be that blow-up game, but then he falls off the map afterwards. I think he has some added motivation this week. And again, when you look at what Brandon Graham has done coming back from the torn Achilles, Josh Sweat, how he's been able to bounce back from his own injuries. He came off, you know, he got paid last year as well. Th- this Eagles pass rush is very good. And again, they're averaging four sacks a game. The Cardinals... Yeah. Their, their, their offensive line has been good. They've allowed, I believe, seven stacks through four games. But, mm-hmm. again, when they're as banged up as they are and the Eagles are bringing as much pressure as they're bringing, things will collapse. And Kyler's going to – I don't want to I, – I, I pause to use the word run because, let's be honest, the kid scoots. He doesn't really yeah. run. Runs like a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> but a fast toddler. <laughs> Very fast toddler. I agree. And that was kind of going to be my counterpoint was um, I do think this is going to motivate Hassan Reddick to play very well against the Cardinals. The other side of that coin is the quarterback on the, excuse me, on the other end is fast. He's nimble and um, is able to get out of a lot of slippery situations. He's uh, he's no Lamar Jackson. I'll give you that. Not a magician of uh, of sorts, but he is fast, small, slippery. We'll get we'll get out of those situations. So it's going to be a really fun game, I think, to watch. I am excited to see Ertz play against Philadelphia. I almost had the feeling and correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like the Eagles thought he, you know, that the sun was setting on his career. This is the end of the line. We need, 
we need younger, faster, stronger, and moved on. He came to the Cardinals and found a home, essentially. He found a spot where he fit. And already this season, he's had two touchdowns, 22 catches. He's just shy of 200 yards, I believe. But um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know necessarily that the Eagles as an organization felt that Ertz was just done. I don't think that was the case. Um, I mean, he was coming off a couple injury plague seasons. But what really sort of accelerated Ertz's departure was the growth of Dallas Goddard. You know, they Mm -hmm. spent a second round pick on him. Um, and he's, he really is, he's, he's insanely talented. He's great as a blocker. He's great in the open field. And the one thing that he's always done better than Zach Ertz is that he stretches the field because he's faster and he, you know, he can thread the needle. He's one of the top, uh, yards per route run tight ends in the NFL. Um, you know, and right now he leads all tight ends in the NFL in receiving yards from lined up in line next to the tackles, And that goes to show you how versatile he is as a tight end. And it's not necessarily because, you know, Ertz wasn't versatile. It's just, you know, he's younger, he's more nimble. But we're also seeing healthy Dallas Goddard, too, because he's been banged up throughout these early years in his career. So it made it a little easier for the Eagles to kind of push through those injuries because they had Dallas Goddard. Now, mm-hmm. without Ertz, they're they're not running near as much of that 12 personnel where they have the two tight ends on the field. I think that was more like, you know, Peterson playing Doug Peterson when he was the head coach of the team, you know, playing towards the talent that he had on the field. You know, right now they have Zach Ertz and then they have a bunch of like, you know, younger guys that aren't fully developed. So they're going to run those three wide with, you know, swole Batman and skinny Batman and fast Batman. And then they're going to have Zach Ertz right there, either lined up in the slot when they decide to go four wide or right next to Mylotta. He's he's so talented. They can use him in so many different ways. And when everybody wants to cover Devonta Smith, when everybody wants to cover A.J. Brown, there's Dallas Goddard right down the middle of the field for 15, 20 yards. Like that, yeah. and again, Zach or uh, Jalen Hurts, 9.1 yards per attempt right now. It's number one in the NFL among quarterbacks. He is looking to push the ball down the field. Dallas Goddard gives them that ability to do that. Zach Hurts, not as much. So, And I think that really is what sort of led to the exodus of Zach Hurts. And really, it's been a a revelation for the Cardinals because they're a team that for the longest time never even used the tight end. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was hurt down the stretch last year and they needed a a target. Kyler Murray found somebody he can rely on. And that's always been Zach Ertz's game. He's one of the best safety blankets in the NFL. It's very much Jason Witten-esque, which makes a lot of sense because that was the tight end that Zach Ertz grew up idolizing. Um, it's funny that you said that because I do think last year that the Cardinals did want to move in to utilizing a tight end when they had uh, Max Williams. I, they still have, but he was, was injured out, still out, you know, still dealing with a lot of that and uh, brought in Ertz to come and save the day. So it was right for him to come prime. There were, there were plays ready for a tight end to come in because before uh, Williams was injured, he had like a blow up 
game. That was his game. And everybody was psyched about it and pulling him off waivers. And then he gets, you know, he's gone, he's out. And so um, I think it was just really good timing for Ertz to come here. They've really uh, made themselves part of the community here. Him and his wife are really good people. And um, oh, that's fantastic. I mean, they're, they're beloved in Philadelphia. Like, if this game was in Philly, he would have the biggest reception from Philly faithful. Like, it's it's one of those things where when you when you endear yourself to the Philly community, you will be forever loved. I mean, look, just look at Doug Peterson, the reception that he got in Philly last week, like, you know, leading them to their lone Super Bowl win. It would be the same thing for Zach Hurts coming to town. Jalen Rager, not so much. <laughs> Never really opened himself up to the team, the city, and obviously we know what he did or didn't do more accurately on the field so it, it it's really is like philly is is their loyal fans and and you know even if you decide to move on eventually you are celebrated for what you did for that team in that city that's good i mean you can tell you guys are not fair weather fans and i could get a lot of flack for this but i will say that phoenix has a lot of fair weather fans on and off. I mean, this, honestly, the state of Florida does too. It's very similar. I mean, you see it all the time with all the Florida sports teams, not just in football, with, with baseball. The Rays can't fill a stadium well because you get a lot of transplants, people that come from the Midwest yes. or out west or up north and, you know, the Northeast. They come down. They're not just going to stop rooting for the teams they grew up rooting for. They come here for the weather. They don't care about anything else. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is you get a lot of people here cheering for their teams. Um, we have a lot of people from Chicago here, for instance. And then when you have the team that's native doing well, then everybody goes over and cheers and is happy for them. So, you know, it's not uncommon in states where there's a lot of transplants, but it's interesting to see, um, you know, Eagles fans, they stick through it through thick and thin. And now they're having, you know, you guys, you, you're having this great start to the season. But I think this game is going to be um, exciting. I think it's, I, I hope so at least. I feel like both teams, there is something to lose. The Cardinals don't want to be two and three for sure going out of this game and the Eagles don't want to lose that undefeated status. So there's, there's uh, a lot to play for. Well, it's a tale of two divisions too, right? I mean, the NFC West right now is very winnable. The Rams are very vulnerable. Their offensive line is trash. They don't have a deep threat. They, you know, they can be beat. And, you know, with San Francisco, it, it, it's a Jimmy Garoppolo led team. They're going to have their highs and they're going to have their lows. You know, the Seahawks. I don't know if people know this. Geno Smith is the high, like he's number one in PFF passing grades right now among quarterbacks. Like what world are we living in right now? Like it's unbelievable to me. Seattle is scrappy and, and Geno is, is leading that team right now. Their defense can't stop a nosebleed. But their offense is having some fun out there. So if for the Cardinals to fall back at two and three, yeah, that it, it just opens things up more. If they can win this game, that gives them a leg up on some of these other teams that have question marks. And on the flip side with the Eagles, it's the same thing. Right now they're four and oh. Giants are three and one. Dallas is three and one. And Dallas is doing it right now with a backup quarterback. 
So what yeah. happens when they get their starting quarterback back, right? So there's a lot of things where the Eagles have to keep their foot on the gas, and that's my biggest issue with this team because they're letting off. As I mentioned at the top of the show, they're number one in the NFL right now in points scored in the first half of the game. They're tied for 29th in points in the second half of the game. It's unbelievable yeah. to me how great Nick Sirianni is in the first half of games and just says, yeah, we got this. But then they allow five yards of carry to running backs when, you know, they're playing these, you know, deeper coverages, the prevent defense. They're, they're not playing Jordan Davis, who was literally brought in to stop the run because the guy's a freaking truck in the middle of that defensive line. Like, I just don't get some of these moves that they're doing. But I, I, real quick, I just want to bounce back because you brought up, you know, we were talking about, like, Eagles bringing pressure. Kyler Murray right now throwing the football with pressure in his face, according to pro football focus, is 29th in passing yards under pressure at only 84 yards through four games. That's not a good look. And again, it, it really it boils down to are the Eagles going to keep their foot on the gas? Because if they right. keep bringing that pressure into the second half, that's where things are going to get very interesting because – the Cardinals, they're a second-half team. They score points in the second half. So I, which team are we going to get? Like, are we going to get first-half Eagles in the second half? Do we get second-half Cardinals in the first half? Like, how does this play out? And that's why I think this game is going to end up a lot closer than maybe people think. And right. I don't know what the spread is on this game. I might be inclined to take the over, if I'm being honest, because I think a lot of points are going to be scored. Um, yes. And when I mentioned about Kyler being slippery, getting out of those situations, it's not necessarily that it's a successful completion. It's either he's going to rush and make some movement. He He's able to run. He's able to run the ball and he's able to throw it away. He eludes a lot of sacks, well, I guess. He does is make my a lot of smart point. decisions. And that's why, yeah. over, what is it, three, four years now in the league, he's always had a really good completion percentage. He does. He handles the ball very well, which is good especially for a younger quarterback because you don't see that a lot yeah um right now it's very it's very close you could take it's uh minus five eagles um very close i don't think that's not very close but i don't know that i bet the the over on the spread but i mean if the over under is still in the 40s i think i would 40.5 oh yeah i would take the over on that pretty easy yeah I think so too. Um, and Vegas is not sure. They're giving it minus 110. So you could, um, it's it's close. It's definitely close. The numbers, when I look at that, I'm like, can we just make up our mind, please? But no, that's not how they make money. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what happens. You know, the bets start coming in and then the lines start shifting one way or the <laughs> other because people are like, Oh, it hasn't moved yet? Okay, let me get in on this now. <laughs> right. I have one more thing I want to ask you about, and it's been uh, bubbling up, and that's Hurts for MVP. Thoughts? I think as long as Josh Allen is still breathing, Hurts is a long shot. <laughs> Josh Allen has not had the greatest season, though. I mean, he is Josh Allen. Um, I, I think when all is said and done – the Eagles may finish with a better record 
And a lot of that really is just the schedule that they were dealt. I believe heading into the season, they were operating at like the second or third easiest schedule in the NFL. Um, so I, I can definitely see where Hertz is going to be in that conversation because by the looks of it, the Eagles are going to have a very good record barring right. some catastrophic injuries and, and collapse. Josh Allen to me is still the better skilled quarterback and his conference is so much more difficult. So, you know, if he's able to topple Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, that just, that's going to keep the narrative shifted towards him. But I, you know, what I want to see from Hertz, yes, he's doing it with his legs and he does a lot of great things with it, but there's still a lot of growing to do as a passer. He only has four passing touchdowns through four games. That's only one per game. That's not going to get it done. Um, but to me, he's the he's the leader of a much more complete football team. But again, he also has a much softer schedule than what Josh Allen and the Bills have to go through. In the you know what? That is a very fair answer, and I appreciate it very much. And look, I can be a very biased Eagles fan, but I'm also a very realistic and pessimistic person. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's what we want to see here. Um, so before we go, do you want to tell everybody again, where can they find you? What are you working on? What are your passions? I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just the, what it says on the screen at the one Hudsonian. Um, honestly, most of my posts are just reposting a lot of what we do with club fantasy and women of fantasy. Uh, I'm very much a uh, kind of behind the scenes person. I love talking football. I love being on podcast and it's fun. But at the end of the day, the people that that you know work with us at Club Fantasy and Women of Fantasy, they're the smart people. They're the ones that are really putting in the work. And you know, I honestly like what what we do with Club Fantasy and Women of Fantasy is quite literally nothing without you know you and Faith and you know my co-host Ryan Weiss and Joe Zolo and all of our contributors. Um, you know, I. I I know if I go through and start naming everybody off, I'm going to forget somebody. I'm going to feel bad. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But, um, you know, outside of that, I mean, I, I, I'm a screenwriter as well. So I work on, you know, short films and, and different passion projects and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I do have a day job that, you know, pays most of my bills, but you know, it's that, that struggling life of a creative mindset where, you know, I can't really like focus on one thing because my mind just takes me in 80 different directions. So, (laughs) which I know Kelly, you know, all too well. So. Yes, I can relate. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here with us today. It was a great conversation. I'm super excited to watch the game and I'll probably be texting, like we'll texting you maybe. (laughs) Let's see. Love it. We'll get some friendly trash talk going. It should be fun. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, then just to remind everybody, you can uh, follow me at Kelly and Phoenix. You can follow the pod at Sick Pod Kelly. It's a new Twitter account, so it's still in its baby phases. But uh, I'm so grateful for all of you who watch, who send me feedback. I try and take all of it and apply it to the next show. So keep up the good work, fans. And, uh, I will see you next week on Tuesday for the recap and we'll do it all over again. So make it a great week. Bye. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Kelly Singh on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, 
Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.